Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. So we're going to look at two scriptures. Uh, Let's start with Luke chapter 2. One verse, verse 52. Luke 2, 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and with men. And then read it again. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and man. Tuck that away in the digits. Turn over to John chapter 12. Verses 42 to 43, John 12, 42 to 43. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, believed in Jesus. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. You know, I'm a rom-com lover, Any other rom-com lovers in the room? All the women said amen. And all the men who love their wives were like, okay, yeah, I can pretend for a bit longer. Everyone knows that every good romantic comedy finishes with the same scene. It's perfection, this ending. It's absolutely a piece of heaven on a movie screen. All good rom-coms end this one way. It's with the bride, the wedding day, dressed in a beautiful white dress, with her perfect husband, with his gorgeous white teeth and his perfect suit, picking her up and carrying her across the threshold into their white picket, beautiful grey and white, no way any newlywed couple could afford house. (laughs) It's really interesting, actually, this concept of a bride being carried across a threshold because in different cultures, it comes from different reasoning, different reasons why different grooms carry their brides across the threshold. Do you know that in Roman culture, marriage was uh, arranged by capture? Yeah, Roman soldiers would be like, yeah, I'd like myself that. And so they would run after the woman, capture her, and then carry her over the threshold into their home so that people knew, well, she belongs to him now. In other cultures, women were carried across the threshold because they believed that women were particularly susceptible to demonic possession immediately following their wedding. And strangely enough, they believed that the demons hung around the threshold of the newlyweds' house and would come into the woman through the soles of her feet. And so the man would protect the bride because apparently he can't get demons through the soles of his feet by picking up his, his wife and carrying her across the threshold. In another tradition, which celebrate highly women being modest, a woman's not meant to walk into the marital home because she looks a bit too keen for what comes on the wedding night. So she asks the guy to carry her across the threshold so that she looks modest. It's interesting to me that there's all these different arrangements or beliefs around the threshold. Normally, when lots of cultures have just a slight difference in a concept, it's because it's important in the spiritual realm and it's just been slightly distorted. You see, in our journey with Jesus and in our spiritual journeys, we also will need to cross thresholds. 
In fact, in seasons of revival and an accelerated move of God, we will actually face several thresholds that we are invited to cross. Now, what's interesting about thresholds is what are they in? Doorways. There will be several doorways open to us where we will be invited to cross the threshold into new places. You know, when we're willing to pay the price to cross a spiritual threshold, radical obedience will trigger spiritual release and spiritual advancement. You see, where there is a people who are living in obedience, a people who are willing to yield their will to his will, a people who are willing to surrender every area of their life to his lordship, there will be thresholds and open doors. And here is the great news. Though there can be almost like a door prize, a door price or an entry price to enter into a new doorway, here's the really good news. In the kingdom, the price we pay is never greater than the blessing we receive. For us, we've been in a season, haven't we? A season where decisions have been made, personal and corporate battles have been fought, and a transition or a metamorphosis has taken place within us in order for us to cross over into something new. Now, anyone can stand at a threshold, but not everyone will choose to cross over. And I keep having this repeated vision every time we gather together corporately of the groom carrying the bride across a threshold. Where do we see this threshold concept in the Bible? There are many, but I just want to give you a few. Think about the Israelites when they were crossing the Red Sea in Exodus 14. They're being delivered out of slavery. They're running away from Pharaoh and all his men and who are coming in their chariots after them. The word actually says that the Lord doesn't take them the easiest way. He takes them around, leading them with a pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. So they're following the presence the long way around. The word says the reason they went the long way around is because he didn't want them to have the option to return. So he leads them. Where does he lead them to? He leads them to the Red Sea. And it's then as Moses puts his staff out that the sea parts and the people cross over. The Egyptians are following closely behind. Moses puts his staff out again. The water comes in on them. And now they've crossed a threshold to the point of no return. They followed the presence across a threshold and they could not return. Think about Joshua. Crossing the Jordan in Joshua 3. Moses had died. It's Joshua's time to lead. And the priests carrying the ark go first. Again, they're following the presence. So the priests, the moment they put their foot in the water, it parts and dries up. Then they go and stand in the middle carrying the ark until all the people cross over on dry land. Then the moment the priests get out of the water, it comes crashing back down again. They followed the presence across a threshold to the point of no return. Now, our threshold. We were a church in revival. Now we are a revival church and we can't go back. We were a people attending revival meetings. Now we're revivalists, followed the presence to this new place to be a new people and we can't go back. So I want to declare over your life tonight and over the house that on the other side of this threshold, get ready, this is a good word, 
It is favour season. No, you need to get a bit more excited. It's favour season. If we know how good the Lord is and how he loves to pour out favour right now, we would be having a full praise break. You see, people who respond to his presence rightly can be trusted with increased favour. People who will choose presence over performance, he loves to bless. People who will choose following over formula, he loves to pour out on. And people who will choose sanctification over safety, he delights in promoting. It's a season where we, like Jesus, did what he did when he was on earth. We're increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and with man. You know that Jesus was 12 years old when this was said about him? Which tells me that an increase of favour is not dependent on age. That's good news. I believe the kids in this house are favoured in this season. I see it every week right here, the favour of God all over them. Favour's not dependent on age, it's dependent on presence. And when we don't just visit his presence, but we host his presence, favour will follow. When we move from being a place of visitation to a place of habitation, you're hearing that phrase a lot lately for a reason, then favour will follow your life. And this scripture is actually super interesting about Jesus because he already had favour and wisdom. In Luke 2.40, so just before what we read, it says, And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favour of God was upon him. Straight after this, you know, the time when Jesus' parents left with all the other people and he was hidden away in the temple and it took three days before they realised he wasn't there. Gee, that makes me feel better as a mother. And they go back and Jesus is in the temple and he's discussing the scriptures with the teachers. Verse 47 says, They were amazed at his understanding. In other words, his wisdom. So we see that Jesus already had wisdom. Jesus already had favour. In fact, he was perfect in every way. Yet even he needed to grow in favour and in stature with God and with men. This was about increase, even on the Son of God. If the Son of God needed an increase in wisdom, stature and favour, I think that we might want to receive that too, right? You see, God wants to grow your favour. Ooh, it's quiet. I know we struggle with this. I'm going to get to that in a minute. So just hang in there with me. God wants to increase your favour. Why? Because an increase in favour when handled right brings God glory and it advances his kingdom in a swifter way. Favour biblically, listen to this. Favour biblically means gaining approval, acceptance or special Benefits, blessings. It comes from the root word charis, which is where we also get the words grace and mercy. Favour from God is often extended biblically in response to a lifestyle of prayer and righteous living. Think Noah, think Moses. Prayer and righteous living equals special benefits and blessings from God. Unusual grace, favour. 
Psalm 84:11 For the Lord is a sun and shield the Lord bestows favor and honor no good thing does he withhold no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly There were many people favored in the Bible Moses Abraham Solomon David Deborah highly favored I mean, think about Matthew 6. If you're like, that's all old covenant, well, here's the new covenant. Jesus is with his disciples. The Pharisees are looking on and he's saying, when you fast, when you pray, when you give, do it in secret so that I can have the joy of a father who gets to bless you with favour. He's talking about a heart posture that does these things to bless the Lord. And then because he's a good father, he goes, well, you can have favour. You can have blessing. You can have unexpected surprises in your life. You know, often we struggle with this concept of being rewarded or favoured because we give to get. We reward to manipulate. We withhold to punish. Now I'm talking. That is not how our Father works. We serve a good and a perfect Father. And He will never give to get. He will never reward you to manipulate. And He will never withhold from you to punish. He is good and He is perfect. And the culture of the world will base rewards on a whole bunch of external measures. But the Lord has and always will will reward a people based on internal postures. So now get excited because I'm going to prophesy what favour is going to look like in this season. I have seen it. I can taste it. I can smell it. I can celebrate it. It's on its way. Promotion in workplaces. Restoration in families, unexpected. As I declare, they just reach out and grab them. Access to people of influence for God's glory. You might even see them coming into the house more. Financial blessing. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll take that. Bigger contracts in your business. Take it. Unexpected clients. This one's important for several people in the room tonight. Visa breakthroughs. Miracles in body, mind and in natural things. A surge of souls, a harvest in this house. Healings, growth. Miracle houses. I don't... I, I, mm, I I hope you know me enough by now. I wouldn't just prophesy this if I hadn't heard from the Lord. Because otherwise I'd have the house and the car by now. Miracle cars. Large checks. Things you've been waiting for long term suddenly fulfilled. Things just seeming to fall into place. A season of unusual answered prayer. Like you're praying it and the person's texting you that it's fulfilled. Hmm. So it's important we understand favour does not mean an absence of trouble. (laughs) Don't be like, oh yeah, sweet living from here on in. Yeah, but think about Mary. The angel said to her, you are highly favoured. What was it like for her to walk that out? What was it like for her to carry the favour of God in her womb? 
She was misunderstood. I mean, what would you think if someone rocked up and was like, yeah, pregnant by the Holy Spirit? She didn't just live with that for nine months, her whole life. If you look in Mark 6, Jesus is well into his ministry life and they're still accusing Jesus of being illegitimate. This thing stuck. She was called highly favoured. Joseph, highly favoured, finds himself in a pit, finds himself in a prison, finds himself running from a pretty attractive woman, all whilst prophesied that favour was over him. Think about Daniel, highly favoured in a foreign land, lion's den. Think about it this way. Divine favour causes you to rise to the top in your sphere of influence. But the reality is, favour can be recognised more easily if you start at the bottom. Interestingly, favour is not something we chase. It's not the goal. Favour comes not by pursuing favour itself, but by pursuing the Father. Pursuing presence. And that's why I feel like he's like hit the green button. Yes, you can declare this now. Because we've fallen in love with his presence. We're ruined for anything less. The things that come with favour, we're like, presence, that, mm, I'll take the presence every day of the week. So by pursuing the right things in God's value system, favour lands on you. Many of you would know, if you follow me on Instagram, you'd certainly know, I'm obsessed with my puppy. I was not a dog person until Leo was born. And uh, he is perfect. And he is gorgeous. And he gives me so much love. And I heard my husband talking to Leo the other day. And he doesn't know I heard this. I was upstairs and he was downstairs. And he was like, you know what, Leo? I actually understand those ladies who love puppies more than people. Because you are the perfect dog. I never knew a dog like you existed. <laughs> Sorry, babe. So Leo, he had a favourite thing over summer, chasing butterflies. It was so cute. It was like a golden book. He would just leap in slow motion, do a little lamb sleep through the air, trying to get these little yellow butterflies, and I'm just there snapping on my iPhone. And the more he leapt and the closer he got, the further they flew away. They're hard to catch butterflies, but... If you go to a butterfly house and you stand really, really still for long enough, yeah. a butterfly will come and land on you. Yeah. That's what favour's like. The more you chase it, the more elusive it gets when you learn to be still and know that he is God. When you learn to value what he values, it's going to come and land on you. It's the living out of Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, I'm just going to add them to you. So when favour lands like it is right now, it's very important that we understand. Cue that soundtrack change in the movie. Seasons of favour will always reveal the motives of our heart. In the same way that the true test of leadership is not failure but success, it is seasons of favour that reveal the most in the hidden places. This season is going to show us whether we prefer growing in wisdom, stature and favour with God or with man. It's going to show us whether we prefer the glory of God or we prefer the glory of man. 
and which we prefer will be a defining factor in whether favour increases in our lives or diminishes. You know, during COVID, I was asked to uh, visit somebody in hospital of very high influence. I went and had a third jab to be able to go and visit this person. And they are a person of world renown. And the Lord spoke to me because I'm, I'm always honest with you. My flesh was like, oh, man, I'm going to get the best Instagram out of this. You just wait. I'm going to be like, hey, smile. I know, such and such. And the Lord spoke to me so strongly. And he said, how you handle this favor will determine how much comes your way in the future. If you handle this right, I will open all seven mountains to you. How you handle your favor matters. I think of Esther. She had favor with the king. So much so that he said to her in Esther 7 2, What is your wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? Half of my kingdom, you can have it, it will be fulfilled. And in short, Esther used her favour with the king to plead for the lives of her people. We all know the story. You see, Esther teaches us that we've been given favour to empower us to serve more effectively. Esther's radical obedience caused the favour of God to increase and land on her life. Esther preferred the glory of God over the glory of man. Now, in contrast... I think of Herod's daughter. This is like the ultimate, bold, and the beautiful story. It's in Mark 6. Let me tell you a little bit about it. This is the condensed version. It gets funky. There's this Herod. His name's Antipas. Now, the way I remember that is I think Antipasto. Because, to be honest, this guy liked a little bit of everything on his plate. And so he marries his half-brother's wife, who also happens to be his niece... He has an adulterous affair with her, seduces her, and they get married. And then John the Baptist is like, hey, Antipasto, you do realise that according to God's laws, you can't have a little bit of everything on your plate. And so Antipasto and his wife Herodia are like, that John the Baptist, he's got to go. So then it gets even funkier because he throws himself a birthday party. And Antipasto's stepdaughter, who also happens to be his great niece... Get your head around that. So stepdaughter, great niece. Yeah, I got that right. He says to her, come out and dance. Her name's Salome. So she comes out at this party and she dances seductively like a prostitute, even though she's a princess. And the men in the room, they like it. And she gains favour. The word actually says, oh, yes, Salome, you now have our favour. So her uncle, who's also her stepdad, says, Salome, you can have whatever you want up to half my kingdom. He knew he was riffing off what happened in Esther. Yeah. He, was doing, he was showing off to everybody, loving the glory that was coming from man. Look at me, look at my niece, look at my daughter and stepdaughter. And guess what she asked for? She went to her mother. Remember that John the Baptist got all up in Antipasto's plate? I want his head. So Salome comes back and she uses her favour to have John the Baptist's head brought to her on a plate. So Herod's daughter uses her favour for personal gain and personal agenda. She used her favour to manipulate. So where Esther teaches us that we've been given favour to empower effective service, Salome teaches us that when people use the favour of God for personal gain, 
in their heart, all they're doing is revealing that they fear man more than they fear God. That they love the glory of man more than they love the glory of God. And so we will face this question repeatedly during this season. Because it's good to be excited like, yep, I'm grabbing that and I'm grabbing that. But I want to ask you, the favour you receive, will you use it to serve more effectively or will we use the favour for personal gain? Because ultimately, what you and I do with our favour reveals whether we fear God or we fear man. Verse 43 that we read together before from John says, For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Now, in the context of this passage, this was, is speaking about the members of the Jewish council, the Sanhedrin. And they believed in Jesus, the Messiah, but they hid their belief for fear of being thrown out of the synagogue. That had already happened three times in John's gospel, that people were thrown out of what was their community and their sense of belonging. So they were hiding the fact that they believed in Jesus, the Messiah. Think of Nicodemus. He goes and visits Jesus by night, asks him a bunch of questions. Right after Jesus is crucified, it's Nicodemus who brings the spices to make sure that Jesus' body is taken care of. He's clearly someone who believed in the Messiah, but he had some pretty good perks because he was in leadership in church. And he loved the favour of man. He loved the glory of man more than the glory of God. And so these were people who had prestige, respect, man-given favour because of their role in church. In other words, they had favour with man and they had come to enjoy it. The problem was they were enjoying that favour more than they were God's. And seeking the recognition of man at the expense of approval from God is to lack wisdom. And ultimately, it's self-destructive. So it's exciting. Hey, here comes favour. Be careful because it's self-destructive. The stronghold at the root level of this kind of desire is fear of man or people-pleasing. I love the Apostle Paul in Galatians 1.10. For am I now seeking the approval of man? Am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Amen, Paul. A heart that loves the glory of man more than the glory of God is a heart ruled by fear of man when you break it down. Jeremiah 17 verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I don't believe there's one person in this room who's like, God, give me favour so that I can manipulate it and so that I can love the glory of man more than I love your glory. None of us start there. So I want to give you some quick ways that we can know that our heart has just slipped a few degrees to love the glory of man more than the glory of God. Is that okay? We will start to care a lot more about position, title, status, and reputation. I just need everyone to know what my title is, please. Can you make sure it gets up on screen on time? Philippians 2.7, Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant, coming in the likeness of man. You know, fear of man will get you doing everything for reputation and ultimately it will paralyze you because faith cannot coexist with fear of man. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
Here's another one. We will become enslaved to performance and perfectionism even in our service of God. When we do this, we actually ultimately end up bringing harm to his bride. Here's the thing. If we don't live by the praise of man, we won't die by their criticism. Here's another way we can know our heart loves the glory of man more than the glory of God. We ignore God's voice to listen to man's voice and then we say weird things like, I just can't hear God. We desire to be seen over desiring to serve. We create formulas for success rather than measuring success by our ability to follow. We live by religious rules and regulations for a sense of safety rather than finding confidence in radical obedience. I never, ever feel safer than when I'm taking a step of faith that is radically obedient. It's the safest place to live. We resent the favour of God when it starts to show up on other people's lives. Well, how come they don't have to do that? How come they get that free pass? Why are they getting that? Why are they getting that promotion? Why do they have that car? Why do they have that house? That's a sign we've begun to love the glory of man more than the glory of God. You see, when we can honour the favour on another person's life, it prepares us for an increase of favour on our own lives. You see, we will always reflect the world or the kingdom we're most aware of. So living in favour is actually living more aware of his reality and his presence than the presence of anything else. We were created to give God glory. <laughs> we were created to carry God's glory to the world around us. We were created and purposed to bring heaven to earth. Heaven is full of favour. In the Old Testament, the word glory is the word kavod. It often referenced material things and social status as evidence of God's blessing. Think of Solomon and his riches. In other words, glory can display itself as favour. God's glory on someone's life can look like favour. And giving God glory is to acknowledge him as the source of any favour we live in. Now in this passage from John's Gospel, the word glory in verse 43 for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God, is the word doxa. And it means the condition of being bright or shining. So these people loved the shiny accolades that came from man more than they loved the bright glory of God's beautiful face. It's the same word that was used in 2 Corinthians 3.7 to describe what was on Moses' face. We know the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of the glory that he carried. Remember, Moses had to wear a veil because when he came out of the Lord's presence, he glowed with so much glory and favour that it was confronting to other people. I know the Bible's full of a lot of metaphors. This isn't one of them. This is literal. That Moses spent so much time gazing at the Lord that his 
literal body makeup was changed so that he reflected God's glory. (laughs) It's not a new issue for us to want glory for ourselves. I'm going to revisit something you've heard me teach before because this is important. Think about Lucifer. His name literally means light bearer. Historians tell us that his being as one of the three archangels was like a mirror. Why did God create him like a mirror? Because he stood in the throne room. And as that radiant, shining glory came off God the Father, it was meant to hit his mirror-like being and be bounced out to creation in worship. We also are told that his body made all the literal sounds of worship when he moved. So he would be there in God's throne room. He would see God's shining appearance and his glory and his holiness. It would come. And then as he reflected it out and moved his wings, it would come out in the sound of worship. And we know that pride got into Lucifer's heart. In other words, he loved the glory of man more than he loved to reflect the glory of God. Which poses the question, when we love the glory of man more than the glory of God, which kingdom are we aligning ourselves with? Which Lord are we serving? Exodus 33:15 If your presence will not go with me do not bring us up from here Psalm 51:11 Cast me not away from your presence take not your holy spirit from me This was a man who observed a king who had God's favor who carried God's glory who had favor with God and with man but Saul wanted the glory from man more than he wanted the glory from God and so God's spirit left him and he became delusional paranoid David saw that firsthand so he knew I have sinned with Bathsheba God do anything but do not take your glory from me You see, to know God intimately is the ultimate gift of favour. It's why we sing lyrics like, you can have all this world. I just want Jesus. All the favour, I'm grateful, Lord. It means nothing if I don't have Jesus. If my reward is just a car, and that's the fullness of my reward on earth, I don't want it. You can have it all. I just want your presence. And as I was processing this message a few weeks ago, because I take seriously preaching a word like this, I was praying about it early in the morning and my phone beeped. And I opened up the message. I don't normally have my phone with me at this time, but I was waiting for one of the kids to contact me. So I opened the message on my phone and it was, WhatsApp from one of my best friends, Hannah Osborne. And her and Pastor Don have moved to San Francisco. They have crossed a threshold into a new nation and a new country. And it, it's not easy to be over there and pregnant, right? You don't yet have a visa. You're not yet in the healthcare system. All the things that they've been figuring out. And so that's been a journey to stand with her as they've been carrying this promise inside of them. And she made a decision not to return to Australia, but to stay there because she wanted to birth her baby in the land she was called to. 
And so this message on my phone, I opened it up and it was this picture that's going to come up and it was a beautiful photo of their baby girl and it said, meet, favour, grace. In other words, if her name was Greek, it'd be Karis Karis. <laughs> favour, grace. And I looked at that and I thought, the Lord is declaring this in the natural over our house. It's the season for favour and grace. The Lord needed Don and Hannah to cross a threshold to birth favour. You know, the Lord gave them that name nine years ago. And then they had a boy. Then they had a boy. And then he got them to cross oceans and land in the nation of their destiny that they're called to change. He said, and now favour grace can come forth. We have crossed a threshold and now favour grace can come forward in Jesus' name. So I wonder if there's anybody in this room tonight who you would like to receive favour grace in your arms. Hmm. So I've just preached a message to you and the band can join me. I've preached a message to you about favour, but actually ultimately it's a message about presence. You see, the ultimate display of God's favour is his face. So I declare over Numa Church tonight and her people, it's the season of favour, grace. But more than anything, Lord, we want your face. We choose to be still and know that you are God and we trust that if you want favour to land on us, we'll gratefully receive it and we'll turn it back into praise. We'll turn it back into worship. We'll turn it back into glory. We're not going to absorb it. We're going to reflect it to the world around us and say, look what my God has done. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.